0: (laughs) Oh, 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 oh. Tonight. You notice that? <laughs> oh, you like the sideburns? Yeah, great. You realize they only glue on. I actually realize that. This mustache I borrowed from Barry Barber the other day. It's got a little flip under the nose. You know, it hooks onto my nostrils and it's kind of nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right Bring it up there, large, George. Uh, yes, uh, tonight, uh, I, uh, you know, the straws in the wind, are beginning to appear. Uh, we would like to salute tonight uh, the changing seasons, which are not often discussed. Uh, it's as if you, have you ever, ever noticed that, uh, that on the Johnny Carson show, you'd never get the feeling that it's raining out or there's fist fighting going on outside the studio. It's a never-never land, but we're in touch with reality, right? <laughs> My God, that's true. I'll tell you, I saw. I, I have to agree with you, Jerry. Last night, uh, I had the same thing happen to me. I saw a seven-pound rat right down there in front of fourteen forty Broadway the other night. Right after we talked about it, He had a saddle on. By the way, it was a smaller rat riding on his back. Was, uh, very good. But uh, <laughs> no, i sorry. Uh, incidentally, in case you're interested, I, I appeared on a television show the other night with uh, Morris, the famous uh, cat. You know, the one that. Uh, makes all those uh, cat food commercials you've seen him on TV Jimmy well he doesn't have that kind of an accent he has on the commercials you know on the commercials he says things like uh, oh I hope it isn't another one of those rubber mice you heard him say that well, he doesn't talk like that in real life very straightforward cat chews tobacco you know hangs around uh, the backyard there has a strong interest in lady cats incident like I think even more, yeah, oh, I tell you. in fact, it was fantastic. Uh, you know, he, he, lets, he lets you know what he is. And speaking of uh, a very virile people, uh, I noticed that uh, a great deal of interest uh, that you can tell the changing seasons by the way the columns in the newspapers approach the change obliquely, or as they said in the army obliquely it's obliquely to uh, us human beings. Uh, that uh, or, or do you still say oblique, Jimmy? I see. Well, the Army has forever changed you. It's, uh, you're the only executive I've seen when addressing a group of, uh, of employees when they're assembled. Uh, Jimmy gets up there and says, Men's, I want all of you to know, and he's very strongly influenced by Army nomenclature. Uh, Agreed, <laughs> Jimmy? <laughs> oh, George, yes, indeed. Now, that's not just the Army. That's the armed forces. Have their own language. You've, you probably didn't realize that. Many people don't. For example, when you're when you're in marching formation, you're marching forward, see, and you're going ha, ho, he, ho, ha, ho, he. You know this. You, you know this routine. Well, suddenly the uh, the guy who's drilling the group is not necessarily a sergeant. He can be a, a corporal or something. see. he's going ha, ho, he, ho, ha, ho, he, ho, ha, ho, he, ho. ho, ha, ho he, ho. blight. Well, like, is the Army word for oblique. And I had a very embarrassing uh, situation that came about as a result of that word. And it occurred when I was in the employ of uh, the government in a very lowly capacity. As a matter of fact, I was going through BASIC. That's about as lowly as you can get in the employ of, of, of the government. You agree, George, very low. And this was the second week in BASIC. And, of course, the first week we spent uh, taking uh, lectures of this type with this uh, corporal red-headed corporal is from Nashville Tennessee and uh, he'd come in every day yeah he was Nashville Tennessee he was a, he was, a uh, he was as a matter of fact he was a uh, National Guard corporal which is the most corporal form of corporal you can get the regular corporals are very different they're very cool this was a National Guard corporal and he was uh, he was uh, from Nashville Tennessee and his name was Dixon. Corporal Dixon, and uh, Corporal Dixon would come in. He's wearing his helmet liner. It uh, looks like a little, you know, with the helmet liner. His gang, right? And he comes in in his uh, in his, uh, you know, he's uh, wearing his field jacket, corporal stripes. Boy, I'll tell you, he had corporal stripes that didn't stop. Uh, he had the uh, press fatigues and it's, uh, it's 0830. Immediately following chow, we would have this lecture from Corporal Dixon, and he, he would uh, we'd have it in the in the barracks where, uh, downstairs in the barracks, they push all the bunks back, and we squat on the floor, and the rain is beaten down on the roof, as it always does during basic. rains maybe 40, 50 hours a day in basic. It alternates between raining, snowing, and being 110. And uh, so uh, we're all squatting down there, and Corporal Dixon comes in. Now, I am a brand-new soldier. you got to understand that. And uh, I have just come out of civilian life, and... Uh, Being a civilian, I figured I knew what life was about. I'd seen plenty of movies about the Army. You know, uh, how many times had I seen... uh, Oh, I knew what the Army was all about. How many times had I seen movies uh, starring Van Johnson uh, when he was this lovable... uh, He was always a lovable lieutenant. And uh, often his enlisted man, who was right under him, usually his first sergeant, something like that, was Mickey Rooney. And uh, they had... and they they had a great and Robert Walker was always in those movies he was always a private and uh, he never lived long enough to go up in rank as most movie stars do as their age increases their rank increases you know uh, probably some of you even remember the days when John Wayne was a private but that was a long time he's become at least a three star general at least and they go up in rank uh, just picture after picture and as their agent gets more powerful and as their box office draw gets more powerful, until eventually some actors become such big, you know, box office draws that they won't—they uh, would never appear in a movie in a, in a role less than a colonel, full Colonel. colonel. Uh, James Whitmore went all the way from a private to at least. Well, in fact, he, he played a couple of admirals from time to time. So you know, this is the way rank goes in those movies. So I'm sitting there, and I—I I knew all about the army. I'd seen all of the movies. See. So I'm squatting down. I, I'm involved in a scene now in which i never seen in a movie, which is The Lecture. You never see these in those movies. So I'm squatting down. The rain is pouring down. We're all wearing our fatigue. And it's very heady atmosphere to begin with. Uh, laundry had not gone out for about three or four weeks due to the usual screw-up in the laundry department. We got no laundry. None of it went out. None of it came back. And we were wearing very, very gamey fatigues. Now, uh, I've been around gamey things. But uh, if you're uh, sitting next to a guy who is normally gaming uh, and and is wearing a pair of fatigues that he has worn out on the obstacle course for the past two weeks, and uh, you're next to something gaming at that point, especially since uh, we're all jammed in there together, see? And Corporal Dixon comes in. We had this little blackboard at the end of the barracks, which he worked with, this little blackboard. And he walks in. he says, Oh, Attention! Attention, I want all you to to listen careful now, and I want all of you to listen careful to the point where I want to have some questions at the end of this here lecture. Now, today we are going to discuss right face. Tomorrow we will take up left face. Today we are going to discuss right face. I will write it on the blackboard thusly, R-I-G-H-T, right. FACE, F-A-C-E, just like what you got there between your ears, that's a FACE. Right FACE. The command will be given thusly. Right FACE. You'll notice it has a cadence to it. I don't say right FACE, I say right FACE, which is in cadence with the 120-beat standard U.S. Army marching tempo. And now, it will be delivered thusly. You will be in marching formation we'll say you are in forward A heart uh, is the army way of saying march you will say it after me now say it forward heart All oh, let's hear it
1: forward heart
0: well, of course we all you know went through that routine we all hollered forward harch. which point then he said "You have you had lectures like this George of course you have I don't know whether they do it in the marines like they do it in, you know in the real armed forces but they do it this way in the in, in the army man and he says alright now the command will be given thusly:
1: forward, hop, hop, hop,
0: At which point you will stop. Now, at that point, I will give this command:
1: right, face right.
0: and then you will execute the following maneuver. All right, uh, you down there in the front row, you get up here, and I will instruct you how to do right face, heels together, toes at a 45-degree angle,
1: right face. You will move on the ball of the right foot, and on the instep of the left foot, and you will bring your left foot up smartly. Your heels will come together at the conclusion of right face. All right, try it again, right face, come up. Put them, put them
0: heels together now, soldier. Heel together. All right. Right face. All right. Now, you will all stand up, whatever position you are in right now, and you will execute. Right face upon the command. Right face. I'm well, sitting back there, you know. I just thought to myself, I had never seen a lecture like this in any way in a movie. You never, you never see this. You just, they, The guys just do this stuff. You don't realize that they are instructing in every last little detail. You just don't get out there and walk around those straight lines without having a guy giving you maybe 18, 20 hours of lecture on how to walk in a straight line, right, George? So we went through, you know, this was a 55-minute lecture. Now, it may boggle your imagination to realize that the Army can spend 45 to 50 minutes talking about how to do right face, but that is nothing compared to what they can really do. And so he says, now, I want you all to execute that command, and I'll give... They command right face. All right. A dead We all stand up.
1: Right face.
0: I said right face. All right. Now, sit down, all of you, and I want to explain something.
1: You have two faces
0: in the army. You have right face. You have left face. Now, many of you can't tell the difference. Your right arm is the one to which I am pointing to right now. You have two arms. You will notice that each one is different from the other. There is the right arm. That is the right arm. This is the left arm. Oh, my God. You know, it then hit me. He wasn't just kidding, because we do get guys in the Army who don't know that they got a right That's right. It's hard to believe it. There are people in this country who do not know that one hand is the right hand, the other hand is the left hand. It has to be explained to them. And, And he's not kidding. It does have to be explained. Well, we went on this for 45, 50 minutes, you know. And then after that, in came another guy. He gave us the nomenclature of care and maintenance, the M1 gas-operated Garandot rifle. We went through that. And the next day, we had a long, involved lecture on how to do left face, which was exactly the opposite of right face, only the same, but done with the other foot. Now, you would think that that would be a simple thing to do. Well, as George can tell you, left face is not the same as right face when it is executed that all of it, y- your head goes to sleep see that's the thing that happens to you when you're in the armed forces a great deal of time your head is out to lunch so when the when the command is given left face your head just just gone you know the head you've got cheesecake between the ears you love to do almost anything <laughs> that's you know so so this has to be drilled into your noggin you know just steadily like until you become a sort of uh machine, a, a kind of a, an automaton, uh, which reminds me, this is WOR, New York, and I uh, will be here for a while. You are listening to frogs in a Panamanian jungle, charming little creatures, but beware, some of them secrete a nerve poison more deadly than curare. At the American Museum of Natural History, a scientist is studying these frogs. And perhaps someday, understanding how nerve poisons work will provide a clue to the mechanism of crippling nerve diseases. It was here too, at the museum, that another scientist discovered the first indications that cancer can be hereditary, and the list goes on. When you support the museum, you support the active work of 200 scientists dedicated to the preservation of all animals, including man. Visit the American Museum of Natural History, 79th and Central Park West. Open every day. Now, uh, <laughs> now you want to know how I got in trouble with 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 the word oblique. Now I don't know what brought this up tonight, but the, I guess it was seeing one of the executives walk in here. Reminded me of basic commands, basic drill movements, and so on. You know, you you learn. It just automatically, I saw Jimmy there, and automatically I thought of drill movements, command, and all the rest of the sea. So, so uh, we are now out on the parade ground. Remember, I am a, I'm a, in the Army three weeks now, and uh, I'm, I'm also the guy that got into a terrible argument one time, which I will relate later, with a geography teacher when I was only in junior high school, which is still a trauma. So we are now out on the parade ground. There is a fine rain falling as is often the case on the parade ground and there is a chill wind blowing in from the northeast which is just cleverly placed so that it is always getting you at your most vulnerable spot your back is never to the damn wind which would be comfortable always somehow it's coming in over your helmet liner and down the other side and each ear is you know freezing separately and we are wearing ponchos which uh, in the army type of poncho does not really keep the rain out it filters out the larger pieces of crud, allows all the water to come through. And so we are all standing <laughs> out there, <laughs> and and now we got this drill sergeant. This is not the corporal. This is a this is the real thing, as Dixon would say. It's the real thing out there, real DI. You know, he's out there, and he says, All right, now, man, we are now going to execute one of the prettiest commands in the Army nomenclature. And when executed properly, this command is an very elegant command seen on the parade grounds. You will, you will practice now what we call oblike arch. Oblike arch, which is a 45-degree marching angle from the original course of march. A 45-degree angle. And now, when I give the command, oblike right, oblike arch, or left, oblike arch, you will make either a left 45-degree arching movement, or you will make a right 45 degree. Alright, alright, here we go now. Alright, hip,
1: hut, left face, forward, hush, up, four. up, two, three, four, up, two, three, four, now listen to this command, up, two, three, four, up, two, three, four, right, oblige, arch.
0: Well, at that point, you make a right oblique arch. And we continue to do this for roughly Twenty to thirty minutes, and it is a, a kind of a pretty maneuver. And so, finally, after doing this for twenty to thirty minutes, and I uh, was kind of enjoying it. You know, you kind of enjoy marching at the us. It's a strange thing to report, but you do. Now you do enjoy this. Uh, we have finished about forty-five minutes of practicing oblique le- left oblique arch and right oblique arch. When the sergeant made a basic mistake. We're all standing there. And he says, all right, men, at ease. Now, are there any questions today about what we have done? If you have any questions, I'll do not hesitate to ask because when we have that parade next Saturday, I want you men to really show them that this is the best damn platoon in, in the entire camp. All right? Any questions? What do you think yours truly said at that point? God, how, how dumb you can be. How dumb you can be! I, in my best civilian manner, said, "Oh, uh, excuse me, Sergeant. Uh, uh, who, who's talking? Yeah, oh, you back there, the one back there in the second rank? Uh, yeah, all right, all right. What is your question, soldier?" I said, "Well, Sergeant, I have one question. The word is not oblique; it is oblique. Well, the word is pronounced oblique, Sergeant. I'm just curious why you say oblique. The, what was that question?" I said, why do you say oblique? The word is oblique, Sergeant. It's pronounced oblique. Long, pregnant silence. At which point he said, soldier, would you come forward here? Would you come out? Come out. Just come forward. Come out of ranks and come forward out here. I want to demonstrate something to the platoon. And I came walking out. I figured, you know, he's going to say, now here's a here's a soldier that's with it, you know. He, he, he's involved in the material, and he wants to correct any mistakes we may have done here, and uh, he is truly uh, one of our better recruits. Well, he says, all right, soldier, your question, uh, as I take it, you were criticizing my pronunciation of the word oblique. I said, no, no, I, I wasn't, Sergeant. Actually, what I said was, uh, the word is, is correctly pronounced oblique. I was not criticizing your pronunciation. I just wanted to make sure that the, is that were you were you you were saying oblique? Is that what you were saying? I was getting myself in deep. Little did I know it. You know, I, you know oh, this is by by the way, this is one of the worst things I ever did in the army. If you think I'm inventing this story, anybody who's ever been out on a parade ground knows exactly the, the you know the feeling. And I was new in the army, See, I didn't know. So I said, them, no, I think the word is oblique, Sergeant. All right, soldier. Now, platoon, I want you to watch this soldier. All right, soldier, attend hut. Right face,
1: left face, forward, two, up two, three, four, up two, three, four, up two, three, four, right, oh, black, up two, three, four, up two, three,
0: four, four, up two, forward, four. up two, three. Marching around out there by myself. He kept me marching around by myself for roughly 25 minutes while the rest of the platoon lounged around. And I am marching round and round. It began to dawn on me after about 15 minutes that he was not interested in my elegant marching, he was interested in something else. And, yeah, after about 25 minutes of this, and I, you know, I'm, I'm really dragging my tail at this point because he has me all and, and arching and doing all of it all, all by myself out there, incidentally carrying an M1 around, carrying a gas mask and all the rest of the accumulated junk. Yeah, pack, a whole full field pack, absolutely. At which point he marches me in front of the platoon and says, All right, soldier, a tease hut!
1: Are there any more questions in the platoon regarding my pronunciation of words and the army
0: way of doing it? Any other questions here? Do you have any questions, soldier? I'm just standing. I'm not doing nothing. Are there any questions I said? Are you going
1: to answer me? Head, right face, forward, punch.
0: Well... That was one of the great lessons of my life. Great lesson. And the following Saturday, 12 noon, Company A, which uh, I was a member of at the time, 2nd Platoon, 27th Regiment, way down at the end of the field, the band starts to play. You can hear them off in the distance. Our sergeant turns back. His helmet pulled low over his eyes. He looks from left to the right. And then from right to the left of the platoon. And he watches the first platoon of the 27th step off. You can see him moving off to our left. He looks right down into our eyes, into our soul. Platoon, hit Let's Left base! forward courage we stepped off smart and hard I could feel that pack bouncing up and down hitting me in the kidney the rain is dripping down off the visor of my helmet wearing a steel one this time the full thick Extra shoes, K-rations, tent pegs, shelter hat, a whole bit, as first aid, medical kit on the belt, cartridge belt, bayonet, slapping you on the thigh as we marched, and then the sergeant glances to his left, he's marching off to our right, see, and he says, company, Right.
1: Oblique! And
0: by God, I oblique. I did not oblique, I oblique. Company! page. We executed such a clean oblique, you wouldn't believe it. Cutting across that moldy, damp grass. And now we are opposite reviewing stand, where the general in command of the entire 27th regiment is up there with his flag flying with them two big silver stars on it.
1: Company, eyes, wait!
0: And we're all looking at the general as we move past. Eyes forward! Left of light. <laughs> All right, thank you, George. Did you like that production, George? Reminds you of something, doesn't it? Yes, uh, now, now let's see. We've just been reminded. we got a couple of goody commercials here. And uh, tonight, let's see, we got the House of Chan. We've been talking about the House of Chan for a couple of months now. And uh, getting a lot of interesting reactions. By the way... Uh, I'm delighted when any time anybody goes to one of these places that we talk about and writes back and says they dug it, which has been happening with the House of Chan. Good restaurant, by the way. Excellent Chinese food. And, in fact, they have uh, all of the major cuisines of China there. North Chinese, Cantonese, Mandarin, Setsuan, all of it. But uh, the great thing about, I think, the House of Chan is one that's right in the middle of everything. Man, 52nd and 7th is pretty close to everything. And uh, more than that, their food is prepared the minute you order it. Now, there's nothing fixed in advance. They have 22 cooks there. And if, you're, uh, if you like a little drinky poo with your, uh, with your uh, wonton soup, they have a fine bar. <laughs> <laughs> George, have you ever been with a girl who says that? Oh, I sure would love a drinky poo. Well, if you're with a girl that asks for a drinky poo, you're in for an exciting evening. But uh, I would like to suggest you try the House of Chan, <laughs> 52nd and 7th. And hey, listen, that brings up another thing. We, uh, from time to time, have gotten letters from people who say, do you know anything? You know, you've been talking about uh, Oriental food a great deal. How about uh, any other type of food? Uh, man cannot live by, uh, by egg roll alone, There's an old uh, Charlie Chan expression. And I would like to suggest another restaurant to you, if, uh, if, you, uh, you know, if you've tried the House of Chan and enjoyed it. I also would like to recommend another great restaurant here in New York, and that is Jack's Epicure. Excellent restaurant. In fact, uh, if, you, if you enjoy French-Italian cooking, which is not the same as pure French cooking, nor is it Italian cooking, it's, it's really northern Italian-southern French, you know, right there at the border there, they have a special cuisine, and Jack's Epicure is an elegant restaurant. In fact, it's been in New York for over fifty years, and is really one of the finest uh, French epicure type French uh, epicure Italian slash French restaurants in New York. In fact, uh, a typical a typical dish they have is a fillet of sole. I would recommend it. By the way, incidentally, their chopped clams are fantastic. Do you like clams? I love them. They have they have a clop, a chopped clam. I like clams any way they come. I could even have clam popsicles. I mean, man, I mean, it's... Uh, and incidentally, the clam is a fantastic aphrodisiac. If you think that the, that oysters are aphrodisiacs, clams one day will be illegal. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, they have chopped clams that don't stop. Ask for them. They have another great uh, great dish. Do you like seafood at all? I do. Oh, man. Listen, when you get up to northern uh, northern Italy... Uh, seafood is the thing up there And they have a, a filet of sole With grapes That uh, Well One day I say you're going to get busted eating this stuff I mean it's, it's good <laughs> And where is Jack's? Well it's, uh, it's real easy to find It's also right off the theater district It's on West 46th Street Which is right off of uh, Times Square 344 West 46th Street you drop in there, they have Elegant Drinks, and that's Jack's Epicure. I repeat, 344 West 46, where you'll find a whole group of Elegant French restaurants right in that area. Look for Jack's Epicure, 344 West 46. All right? You know, uh, along, along that, that line of great lessons that you've learned, you know, you, I learned that lesson, man, uh, from that day on. You know, I even find myself now saying, oh, Blake." It's not correct. You know. You understand that. But in the Army terms, it is correct. Now, it took me a long time, like like two years in the Army, to realize that the Army is not that dumb. They didn't say that because they were dumb. Now, that would be you civilians thinking that, right? No way. You're wrong again. <laughs> but the reason they say oblique is that mu- that is much easier to understand when you are marching than oblique. You see what I'm saying? Listen to it. Oblique, arch That does not make it. Oblique, hush. See, one is much easier to understand, and so that's why they have used. Of course, the sergeant he he didn't have to explain anything to me, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, and 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 I thought, you know, sitting back there, I thought, oh, you know, boy, oh boy, I'm I'm so much smarter than the sergeant. You know, he 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 says oblique. What a, what a slob. Uh, of course it took me about uh, two years to realize there was a reason for it had <laughs> a very good one and that you know that I have always had that problem why is why is that a curse some people have that curse of walking right into a totally dumb idiotic situation and sticking his head in the chopper this is I have done this now we had a teacher named Mr. Melton who was a very nice guy I never saw Melton ever get mad and that uh, Melton was a junior high school teacher and he was a tall, quiet, thin guy with a sort of dark hair, and he wore big horn-rimmed glasses. And he was, he was kind of a, uh, the kind of teacher who always seems a little embarrassed to be up there teaching me. You know, I would say things like, well, I don't really know much about this, but uh, I think you uh, students will find this interesting. And, and they, he was always kind of diffidently, well, there I am, you know, all, all the, you know, of I almost use the great word. Well, does put it this way: the the first part of the phrase is smart. The last word is a three-letter word ending with two s's. Right? Okay, there I am. See, already at that age, I was a born one. And uh, how you get to be like this? I don't know. I'm sitting in the back there, in the back of the room, and, and uh, Melton. I like Melton. I like Mister Melton. I always enjoyed Mister Melton. He was a good guy. And uh, Mister Melton was up there, and we had a class. He taught a class in geography. He also taught a class called Health. You remember when you took Health in school? Personal hygiene—they called it hygiene. <laughs> That's what they called it. So, Mr. Melton is up there in the front of the class, and and uh, he is he is uh, talking away there. And uh, he he is, we are discussing food. You know various things you should have a uh, you should have uh, foods that are high in the, in the various types of vitamins. And he says now the vitamin A is found in the following. Uh, in the following foods. He shows a carrot, you know, and and then he's going on like this, and I'm sitting back there, my head is sort of asleep, and he makes the following statement. He said uh, uh, that uh, food uh, is is composed of various uh, types of substance which the body needs. It needs uh, carbohydrates, and it needs uh, proteins, it needs uh, vitamins, at which point my hand, being a smart you-know-what, by the way, people who have this curse cannot help themselves. They cannot. My hand instantly goes up. Mr. Melton says, Oh, uh, yes. Uh, do you have a question back there? Do you have a question about the carbohydrates? And I said, uh, Yes, Mr. Melton. Uh, it's not exactly a question, but the word is not proteins, Mr. Melton. That is pronounced protein. Protein. Said, well, what was that? I said, The word is pronounced protein, Mr. Melton. Protein. It is spelled P-R-O-T-E-I-N. If it were spelled P-R-O-T-I-E-N, it would be protein. But since it is protein, P-R-O-T-E-I-N, the correct pronunciation is protein. <laughs> I looked around the rest of the class. Well, you know, we got that straightened out. Mr. Melton says, oh, the word is pronounced Protein. Is this uh, correct, Mr. Shepard? And I said, yes, that's protean. Uh, that's protean. <laughs> well, where is pronounced it Hm. protean? Hmm. I, uh, I think what we ought to do now is, uh, is to look that up and just check on that. Uh, Jack, uh, he points to the ace of the class, Jack Morton, who was always sitting down on the front, six feet seven, already in junior high, he's had three offers from seven NBA teams. You know, that kind of guy. He's really on top of it. Chisel profile. I'll tell you the kind of guy he was. Uh, Jack Morton. You know, there's always one guy in every class. At the age of about nine, you know, this guy's already got 42 chicks chasing him around, the, you know, on the playground, elegant, Paul, fantastic basketball, forward a whole bit. By the time he was 18, he was already a major in the RAF, Flying Spitfires. right? Okay. So uh, he points to Jack Morton and says, Jack, would you please... Uh, Go to the back of the room and get the, the dictionary, please. We will look that up. Well, the entire class sat there. Mister Melton playing a pretty cool up there by the front of the, by the front of the blackboard, and Jack, of course, being a total beaver, jumps up, runs back, and with a great relish, he comes running forward with the with the with the with the, with the dictionary. See, so Mister Melton says, "All right, now let let us just see whether or not this is correct." What Mister Shepard has. Uh, Uh, seen fit to impart to us today protein protein, P-R-O P-R-O-T-E-I-N protein he looked up and his face is beet red he said, oh I see Uh, uh, the correct pronunciation is protein with the uh, secondary pronunciation is protein incorrect it (laughs) says At that point, I thought, you know, this is great. Now, yeah, I'm, you know, 10 feet tall. Shepard has won a, a tremendous victory. And not only that, Mr. Melton should be, you know, pretty grateful to the fact that I have straightened him out in this basic uh, mispronunciation, which, by the way, still is used continually over and over and again. Every time I hear it, it bugs me, but it's used on TV commercials and everything now. You know, protein. This protein gang, please. So at that point... I'm sitting there very, very happily. When uh, Mr. Melton says, Well, uh, thank you very much, Mr. Shepard. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you straightened this out. Uh, let's see, the word uh, is a protein. I'll have, to, I'll, have to, I'll have to make that correction. All right, uh, boys and girls, remember now that foodstuffs that, that uh, we must, uh, uh, the human body requires carbohydrates. Uh, we require prote- proteins. We require proteins. Uh, he's got this chart thing, And so at the end of the class, about five minutes before the class is over, Mr. Melton said, now I'd uh, like you to take out your notebooks. We're going to have a brief quiz. And uh, I'd like you to have a brief oral, little oral quiz here now. And the, the uh, quiz is is uh, the following quiz. We're going to have a little brief quiz. He said, would you please write down now, the foodstuffs that the human body needs and w- write what uh, they are, what what uh, what, what function they form in the body. And so I happily write this down. See, I'm, I'm really right on top of it today. I was one of those days, you know, I'm really on top of it. So I'm writing this thing down. And I write, you know, I dash it off, hand it in, and the next day I come into class Mr... Melton is up for front. He says, well, he said, uh, first of all, I'd like to give you the results of our little quiz yesterday. I hand the papers back. Jack, would you please pass those papers back there? And Jack Morton passes the papers back. I get a D minus. And all over it are little red marks. Little things underneath it with question marks. At the bottom, he, he writes, he said... Uh, is that your use of the English language is atrocious. The proper phrase is those proteins, not them proteins. One does not say we have to have a lot of them proteins. He said it is those proteins. And he said if you have any questions, ask them in class. He is ready to give it to me. So I sit back there, my head kind of hunched down, looking at my paper. Now, I had all those answers right. But Mr. Melton was teaching me an eternal lesson which I have never forgotten. He who is a nitpicker must expect to have his picked. I repeat, I have just invented that slogan. I repeat it for those of you who are continually calling up saying, tell Mr. Shepard that it's a <laughs> dot, 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 dot. He who is a nitpicker must expect to have his picked. Or, paraphrase,
1: he who picketh
0: nit shall forever remain a nitpicker in the vast wheat field of life. Now that's mixing metaphors. But that's all right. It isn't bad. Once in a while to mix a few metaphors, you might as well mix a metaphors, mix a martini. You know what the hell? I got nothing against mixed metaphors. (laughs) Well, I learned a fantastic lesson with old Melton. See, and a couple of months later, you know, in the class, we never mentioned it. But he stopped me as I'm walking past. He said, uh, "Oh, uh, Gene," he said, "Uh, "I hope uh, there's no uh, misunderstanding about proteins." I said, no, Mr. Melton, certainly not. Uh, the body needs proteins. He said, that's uh, that's right. Uh, you've got to get plenty of proteins in your diet. I said, yes, sir, Mr. Melton. Proteins, plenty of proteins. I'll tell my mother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, then you would think I'd have learned. No. Uh, you know, it just seems like six days later I'm in the damned army and I'm doing the same thing. I'm telling them about, about you know,
0: Blake. Yeah, you know. Very discouraging. So I say, uh, Shepherd, Shepherd. will give another one of Shepherd's uh, famous, uh, Shepherd's famous uh, uh, aphorisms. You ready for this one, Jerry? He who is by nature a smart dot 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 can expect it can expect to get it in his dot 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 ere long. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Uh,
0: tonight's uh, program was uh, was part of our vast public service programming in the uh, educational department. True education, is, as opposed to uh, all that other jazz in which you read about. This is true education. When in the army, and they say, "Oh, like you, oh, like," that the army ain't going to change. We know who's going to change, right? Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, he who knoweth how to feather his nest will eventually wind up with all the eggs. No matter what system is operating. <laughs> there ain't no such system, you know, where everybody's going to be equal. Oh, no. I mean, let's face it. Even Russia has a premier work at a shoe factory. Ain't heard a castro cut many cane lately. you mind if I play my little Hogan twanger? <laughs> <laughs> Just to make sure you're still working. After all, you know you gotta keep the clinkers out of the ashes. Bring it up there, George. <laughs>
1: Do
2: you believe it? I later became a drill corporal. Oh, you can tell I
0: can say it. Oh, oh W O R, New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith and the news.
2: This is the news in detail on the hour from the WOR Newsroom. It's almost strike time for members of the United Transportation Union. Their target, the Penn Central Railroad. At one minute past midnight, the Union is expected to begin a strike against the nation's largest rail system. Formal negotiations have broken off. As far as is known, there are no hasty meetings in the night to avert the walkout. If and when the Penn Central is struck, W.O.R. News will have a complete rundown on emergency transportation measures for the metropolitan area commuters. The union is firmly opposed to the railroad's intention of applying new work rules which would begin a phase-out of train, crew, and yard crew jobs that the Penn Central says are not needed. The bankrupt line has court approval to eliminate the jobs. Nineteen-year-old John Hoover of Parsippany, New Jersey, surrendered to police tonight near where another nineteen-year-old man had been shot to death. Hoover is the suspect in the shooting of Glenn Winch of Dover, New Jersey. Winch had been engaged to Hoover's sister. Critically wounded in the shooting at 624 Park Road in Persephone for Hoover's 18-year-old brother Kenneth and 16-year-old Kenneth Wittis of Denville. The elder Hoover escaped from the house where the shooting was done as police fired tear gas into the building. Police said that Hoover was apparently angry because vandals had tampered with his car. Unidentified sources in the Pentagon said tonight that communist forces in South Vietnam plan to release 27 American prisoners of war this Sunday from the POW camps in the South. The 27 are to be released near An Loc in the Central Highlands. Sources said the information was relayed by the Viet Cong, the United States officials in...